Welcome to this week's episode of the Modern Squid Podcast, where we get to know the people behind our favorite writers and brands. On today's episode, we have Shruti Singh. Shruti is the only woman to make it to the top of the Mars Mikla Pass, which is on the border of India and China and is nearly 19,000 feet. On top of that, the pass is now closed indefinitely uh, by the military, so we don't know if anyone will ever get a chance to make it where she has already. On top of that, she's also a Royal Enfield ambassador, a coder, and a project manager. With that, let's get started. How, how was the trip? Oh, it was fantastic. We loved it. Uh, we drove, the Philadelphia was really nice. It was cold there. And then we drove down to Tennessee and back to Texas. So it, everything went well. I was following your Instagram and I was so jealous of all the fall colors and everything I was seeing. Beautiful. Uh, oh my gosh, it was so beautiful. It's the only thing I miss about not living in a desert is the fact that, you know, there's all <laughs> yeah, those fall colors. Texas, yeah, even in Texas, we don't see much of a fall color. So when I was traveling, so St. Louis still didn't get that fall colors yet when I was there at least. Uh, when we were driving down from Ohio to Philly, oh my God, there were so beautiful fall colors. It was all pink. I couldn't see green anywhere. It was all pink, gray, uh, uh purple, yellow, uh, the yellowish color. It was so pretty. Yeah. Oh, I know. I um, I used to live out in the D.C. area, too. And another thing that was nice was that during springtime, we'd have the Cherry Blossom Festival. Oh, yeah. I have heard of it, yes. Yeah. I mean, if, if you have the chance, you should make it up there at some point. The cherry basins around the, uh, the basin are just so beautiful. So. Yeah, I I want to visit that once at least <laughs> when I get a chance. How did the uh, how did the puppy handle the trip? He he handled it very well. He didn't trouble us a lot, but just while going back home, I don't know. He sensed we are going back home. He troubled that day only. Like he was all cranky and he wanted to stop. He wanted to eat. He wanted to do all the stuffs in the car, play and everything. So on the last day of the trip, the last leg, um, he was a bit cranky going back home, but otherwise he handled it pretty well. He was all sleeping, then playing with his toys and no trouble at all so i'm really glad like uh for a puppy to do a three thousand miles trip he was pretty good at it <laughs> oh that's great because and you know you could be really unlucky and get one of those puppies that have uh motion sickness yes 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 luckily mm. nothing happened we were we, we were on the curves while driving down to uh penn state we were driving down through the curves and he didn't get motion sickness at all. He was like waking up from his sleep, looking through the window, enjoying the fall colors again, <laughs> all the trees, trying to eat the wind and <laughs> enjoy it throughout. Well, you know, you're setting a really high bar then because now he's going to expect that all the time. So oh, <laughs> since they got back home, he's all bored. He want to play. So I'm just letting him play around the house. For a yeah. Night. He was getting so much stimulation, you know? Of course. <laughs> uh, so I think that uh, last time, you know, we covered so much, but we're going to recover some of it. It might take yeah. some uh, some new turns, obviously, since it's a whole new conversation. But um, I do want to talk about the fact that uh, you took over the uh, Royal Enfield account for Instagram while covering some of the races for the flat track, right? Right. So uh, Royal Enfield launched this program of build train race for the women riders where uh, uh, you can approach Royal Enfield if you're a women rider and ask them to enroll in the program. They'll have the selection criteria. 
they'll select few girls and uh, or women i can say they'll select few women and they'll give them the bikes and a specific budget to modify that bike uh, based on the flat track it's upon you how you want to modify it they won't interfere in any of the things so it just should be of the flat track standards that's it and uh, once you do that you get to race in the american flat track series so uh, there are four girls um who got selected and uh, i was in atlanta with them for the races uh and they were amazing the way they modified the bike i got a chance to take over the roll and feed instagram page and got chance to interview all the four riders who were racing on that event and they have they shared their experience about how they modified the bike what challenges they faced uh, uh, during the modification period uh, were there anything like some parts that they were finding hard to find or all those challenges and uh, Made, uh, the bike that they made by themselves how did they experience it on racing the flat track do they think they need any more modification or is the bike perfect all those things they i get i got to share with them um it was amazing talking to those women and seeing the race uh, seeing how uh, so it's like one of the bikers dream that you get to race your own built bike it's not some bike you just bought out of the store or some you know a garage or mechanic built it for you it's something that you have built it out themselves and you get to race on that so that's a pretty cool thing i believe to have yeah and my understanding is that they actually asked you to be one of the racers but you want to tell us why you couldn't Yes, so they asked me. So I was one of the four people who was supposed to race, but then I had to go back from US to India for my marriage. Uh, so I couldn't get the time to modify my own bike. It was just two months left for me in the US, and I couldn't modify the bike in that time because it's like not a realistic time to have all the bike modified and then practice for the race and everything. So yes, that was the reason that I couldn't. But uh, the next flat track series that's happening. So they're gonna give me a bike, and then I will modify it, and um, hopefully race in the next American flat track series. Okay. So while you were interviewing um, the ladies who were out there doing the racing, uh, did you have a favorite? Who who were you rooting for? So there is this racer called as Melissa. Uh, she is an amazing person. Uh, she makes you and she helps you. She makes you understand how how you can modify the bike. And looking her race, she has those perfect techniques, perfect cornering of the bike, maneuvering of the maneuvering it during the flat track. So she is one of the amazing. Um, not only as a racer but as a person, she is really humble and good. So that is what I like about the person because you see there are. some people who are like who you find difficult to approach who you couldn't talk much and then there is this lady who you can just go approach but how you felt and if you need any help of modifying it so she is one amazing person person to talk to uh, about bikes or just random stuff not only bikes just random stuff she's she's one amazing she's my favorite and there is this thing uh, that Rollin Field have launched this week that is called uh, so now uh, this built train race program was for flat tracking and now rollin feet this week have launched it for road racing so for all the women out there 
it's your chance you can go uh, approach Royal Enfield if you want to do road racing for the next series and Melissa will be the one that would be coaching you so she's uh, she has now become the coach for the built train race road racing program and she'll be helping all the uh, all the women bikers to make their bike or just ask for any help needed and uh, if you if any of the women wants to uh, enroll in that there's this one just approach Roland Peel go on their Instagram page talk to them they'll help you they'll have the selection process and help you enroll in that program um now you'll have to forgive my ignorance about racing because i just got into motorcycles let alone motorcycle racing so you said that royal enfield had selected four people now are those four women on a team or are they individual competitors just happen to be supported by royal enfield they're just individual competitors it's like uh for now for example this road racing built in race program that they have launched this week so if from women from anywhere across US wants to enroll it's it's the same as happened for the flat track so if i want i'm sitting at home i saw this post about they have select they have a selection for built in race program i'll go and approach them it's not a team or anything it's just individual um and if they find you fit for they'll have a selection videos and uh, ask questions about how how much you know about the motorcycles and uh, if you if you get through that you get to race so okay now i think that you would just mention that people can approach or women can approach rail and field if they want to be a part of it but i thought that for you royal enfield actually approached you to come and do the flat track how did that happen so uh back in india this starts from back in india because i used to race motorcycles back in india and i never did flat track racing or anything i i used to race on dirt so in india there is this event called as ridomania which is a three-day event for all the royal enfield motorcyclists throughout the globe i couldn't say india but throughout the globe i see people coming from europe coming from us uh, coming from different part of the world to attend that event uh, that's just specific for rolling field all the rolling field bikers not any other bikes and uh, it's it's there are many competition over the span of 3 days it's like dirt race slow race obstacle race obstacle race is one where you have those tree logs you have to cross the tree logs big drums and then a patch of ice then a patch of slush then a patch of grease and then you cover all the patches and if your bike doesn't fall and your if you have not touched your leg uh, if your points with the max the, those who have a maximum point wins so and there are some fun fun events like beer guzzling those who can chug the beer fastest wins or arm wrestling and uh, over the night like after 7 pm uh, there are this famous uh, dj's or the famous bands perform for us and we have like a fun party after 7 so it's a 3 days event and i participated in the trace i participated in um, assembly race which is like they will give you a set of uh, a set of tools to repair within your bike like they ask you to repair a clutch cable or an accelerator cable or just to move the front tire and put it back and then drive your bike to a certain patch so it's those kind of races i used to participate and i won many podiums in the dirt race 
and that is how Roland Field recognized me that okay there is this rider called Ashruti who who won the dirt races and um, that is how I got contacted with the Roland Field team because I didn't know in India like. Hundred thousands people ride Enfield, and Enfield do uh, recognize you. You should have done something, right? They cannot recognize all the hundred thousand people. So for me, I was one of the hundred thousand people. But when I started winning the dirt races, they came to know of my name, and that is how I got uh, how I got in contact with the Royal Enfield, and they used to call me for some Indian events or Indian launch, and uh, I was coming at. Two years back in 2018, I believe I was coming to US for business purpose. My office is in Philly. I was coming to Philly for some business, and I thought that this is the last time I'm coming to US. So why don't I ride a motorcycle there to the mother road of US, which is like Route 66? And that is one of my dream to ride on the mother road because I've saw many documentaries on it. I've saw many people talking about it. So like, why not? Like, I can ask for a two weeks leave and just ride and come back to India. And that is how I approached Royal Enfield India team. That can I get a bike there? Rest everything I'll arrange. I don't need a sponsorship or anything. I just need a bike there because gears and everything I can carry along. And they're like, okay, let me see what I can do. And the India team got in contact, got me in contact with the Royal Enfield US team. And uh, there is this Brian from Rollinfield who is leading North America, uh, who is the head of North America, and she messaged, she mailed me that you know it's March ending, it will be snow throughout. Are you sure you want to ride a 500 cc single cylinder motorcycle throughout from East Coast to West Coast? And I was like, yeah, of course I'll ride it. And she was like, "Are you sure about it? Because uh, throughout Route 66, there are not many places you'll find the service stations if something happens to your bike." And I was confident enough that, "Okay, no problem. I have been repairing my bike since very long. I know what needs to be done, and I'll carry my gear enough." I know I was a bit overconfident, but for me, it was like, "This is the last. This may be the last time I'm in US, so I need to take uh, advantage of the opportunity that I'm getting." So I was like, okay. I'll, uh, so what I did was while on the road 66, uh, because I couldn't find many repair shops or uh, or uh, I was because me being first time in US, I don't know how things work here. It's different in all part of world. Like if you go to Europe, things are different there. If you go to India, things are very much different there. So I don't know how things work here. So me before coming here, uh, what I did was I researched. On how the roads are, on just on the Google Maps, I researched on how the roads are, and every city that I'm crossing, I took down. I made an Excel sheet, and I took down at least uh, five different uh, uh, road service numbers. Like, if something happens to my bike, I should call the roadside assistant. So I took at least five different roadside assistant. Numbers, details. Like, if one doesn't work, second one should work, or at least third one should work. So I took down all those things in the Excel sheet, kept it handy with me, um, and just drove down, not thinking about anything negative. I just started driving down, and luckily nothing happened. So at the end of the trip, um, they were really impressed by what I did because riding through the East Coast during the March time. 
I started my ride in New Jersey and it started raining and snowing throughout. So I had like this thick layer of snow from my helmet till my boots covered in snow. I used to stop at every 50 miles or 30 miles and then literally dig off I mean remove the snow from my helmet so I don't catch cold. And uh, Chicago I started ride at 4 in the morning. It snowed again. and it goes throughout so my starting of the ride was all snow and they were really worried about me because uh bikes kids in snow if you don't have a constant momentum if you apply sudden brakes if the car in front of you apply brakes your bike will skid and luckily nothing of that sort happened <laughs> so they recognized me at the end of the um, end of the ride and i couldn't get a chance to meet priyan when i was in us the one who hooked me up with the rollinpy so i went back to i completed my ride they appreciated me for it i went back to india and uh, in the ride mania event she came she flew down from us to there and that is how i met her and spoke about my stories spoke to her and that is when she recognized me and she was like okay if you're coming back to us Why don't you be a Roland Field uh, ambassador? And I was like, that sounds perfect. I'll be back to US in a year, so let's stop then. So after a year, when I came came back here, they're like, oh, why don't you be the Roland Field brand ambassador? We'll be really happy about it. And I was like, it's all my pleasure to be that because that's that's the bike that I have dreamed of since childhood. That this is this Roland Field is the one that I want to get. uh rollentil has been one bike which is like uh one of the two uh, one of the bucket list for me to get or one of the dream bikes that i would ha- like to get so being the brand ambassador for them was really really cool for me and that is how when the build train race program came into the picture brian knew that okay uh, she races so let's approach her and see uh if she want if she would like to do that but i missed my opportunity to do that last year but coming year hopefully i can race again wow so <laughs> uh a couple questions for you then um mm-hmm. number 1 would it be accurate to say that you are a royal enfield fan girl absolutely <laughs> <Okay>. absolutely <laughs> <laughs> and uh the other thing is I'm I'm curious how many women participate in the um competition in India that you were mentioning. Uh so in India when I used to participate like two years from two years past two years or past one and a half year I have been in US and traveling back to US and India back and forth. So before that I used to participate it for four years. and uh it's not much i can say but there are around 25 to 30 female riders who participate in the races because in india uh biking for female is still coming up uh i'm to- if i talk like past 7 years down the line or past eight from at least i used to race from past 6 years down the line so from past 6 years down the line it was not a thing that women can race or women can ride motorcycle if they see women on road riding motorcycle everyone in you know if i stop at the signal everyone would just turn their head and they they would see that they saw alien or sort of expression they would give it to me <laughs> so it's still a thing in india that okay um but it's growing people are changing 
the mindset are changing i i get so many messages on instagram of many male riders who approach me and say that okay i want my wife to race or i want my, i want my wife to ride i want my sister to ride and she's of this side she's really scared of handling a heavy bike can you give us some tips that i can tell her and i can show your profile of you know how you started it and i i am always happy to help it's like uh i will always help if someone wants to get into riding and they're really scared of it i talk to them and i'm like okay don't worry just go and take a test ride it's it's not the bike is 200 kilos bike and it's nothing to worry about it's very simple you just need to know how to handle it that's all you need to know it's not that you're going to fall off the bike don't get worried so just i um i don't give them tips but yes i just motivate them to at least go and take a test ride so that when you take a test ride you get into that groove okay this is fun or this is interesting and i i tell the me uh, the the uh, the men who approach me i just tell them okay just take her as your just take her on one of your rides or just take her to some place of uh, sitting on back of your bike just because that is how you get a uh, a uh, females in the family interested on biking or motorcycling are not thinking that this is a difficult thing to handle so it's it's still growing up in india it's not as huge as i see it in us but i'm glad that it's growing in india too yeah me too it's always fun to see more people enjoy the same hobby that you enjoy right of course of course <laughs> so um when you were doing the competitions then do they have a separate category where women compete against women and men compete against men or is it everyone together no uh, it's it's a separate category so women can compete against women and men's are the separate one so that's that's a good thing about uh, you know because sometimes men have a lot of experience in it and women are just getting into it so making women compete with men is um they can i'm sure there are there are many experienced female riders who who can compete with men but for the new people who are getting into racing uh it's motivating for them to see okay there are women competing and i'm competing against women because uh if they directly get into uh, the competition the men and women competition and if i'm the first time rider i'm telling i'll be the last one to ride and i'll be the last in the podium so it's a it it's a bit demotivating for me like am i not performing good or like am i i need to improve i know but you know um it's uh it's not as motivating as i can see like i'm participating with mevan and she is also encouraging me to do that so it's it's a really good thing about having a separate category for women so i'm curious would you um also be interested if they had separated it into maybe novice intermediate and expert as like those levels versus men versus women or do you think it's just better to um compete against women and have your guys's own thing in that regard uh so what i believe in is uh you can they should have uh categories as no voice and then uh expert categories and uh we and they should give an option for women to participate in both the races get into the women and as well as get into the no voice in the beginner category it's your choice upon which uh which category that you want to participate okay so as you were going through um the different uh competitions uh while you were out in india what were the people's reactions while they were watching you do it 
they were glad they were they uh, they were happy so in india i couldn't when i was riding in us uh, for the route 66 i couldn't find many of the many people or anyone to make me understand how the things work around or how are the roads here how are the roads what are the what are the uh, road rules you can say and um, i was glad that if anyone approaches me i could help them out there are challenges that i faced which i can help them out saying that okay just research on this a bit and go just carry this and go and you know just a little things not how you can write but little here and there about okay this is a bit essential here just make sure uh, uh, you carry this or if you're going on route 66 make sure you don't stay here you stay a bit ahead this the, these are the good places to stay these are like a bit scary uh, i would prefer like you know you don't stay here and go ahead and stay there so just here and there little things because for me when i was here i didn't um, the challenge that i faced while staying is that i know the roads i mean i don't know the roads but i researched on the google and i thought i know the roads and i have like everything handy whatever i could prepare myself with with say food or gloves or winter clothes or whatever but again the pl- you cannot find on google which places are safe to stay and which don't google doesn't tell you that or google maps doesn't tell you that so it's the people that you interact with so uh, when i was ohio is one or oh, not ohio sorry st louis is one place so when i was crossing st louis um, i booked a motel already and um, i post i was talking to someone of my friends in us saying that okay i'm here i booked this hotel and you know uh, you're in st louis let's let's meet and she was like where are you staying that place you shouldn't just i am coming to pick you up right away and let's go and stay somewhere else and like okay sure that works because i don't know which places are good and which are not so that's one uh, that's one benefit of talking to someone who stays who resides there or who knows about the area pretty well uh, understanding which are the uh, where you can stay or where you can visit because riding solo you are already riding solo you have lots in your mind about the roads or the travel plan for tomorrow how you're going to manage all that the time you should start the time you should reach um uh, all the sightseeing all the uh, all the sightseeing places you need to visit and everything else so i believe this should be one of the last things to take care of and if you have a help it's always good yeah So um the last time we talked you told me that both your favorite place but also the scariest place was the same state. You want to tell me about that? <laughs> yes, so I uh, throughout my ride I really loved Arizona because it has mountains. I'm more of a mountain person and I I got to travel in between the mountains through the curves which i love i love seeing i am i'm at the top of the uh, top of one mountain and i could see a valley in front of me with so many trees and pretty desert and trees too so i really loved arizona but that's also a scariest place because i found many ghost towns within it and uh, I couldn't see people. I'm like, where are the people? Like, why don't I see people here? So that's one place I'm very fond of, and was a bit scary because of all the ghost towns that I 
I I came through in the middle, and then I wanted to stop somewhere just to ha- grab a lunch or some snack, and then I was like, why don't I see any people here? Where are the good places I could find something, some something to munch on? So, and the other thing is that um, for the Arizona thing. Um, uh you know if some if some friend tells you that okay this you should be careful of you be super careful okay you know this person told me this so one of my dad's friend uh who stays in US itself he was like okay if shruti is riding to this patch of arizona it's a bit risky just tell her just make sure she's safe and that my uh, my dad didn't tell me my dad my dad spoke to my mom and my mom told me okay your dad is a bit concerned of you riding through the arizona patch just be safe and that was stuck somewhere in my head and i was like okay let me be super careful of this place yeah now when you were riding through um what was the scariest um ghost town would you say this is uh now jodh hills near arizona somewhere i could say so that's one of the scariest place and it has a history to it so the it's said that the people who resides there still gets those creepy vibes and uh, uh, so no one i couldn't see anyone residing at a specific patch and it said that below that place it have uh, if you if you there's a tunnel below and if you go below you'll see all the human skeletons still there with everyone if all the people killed of like more than 300 people are killed there and there are still skeletons that you could see and if you still reside there you could get those vibes and you should not so that's one of the places that i visited and i'm like okay let me just take pictures here and that you can still access the tunnel but it said that the tunnel is jinxed and if you try to go down something bad will happen Uh, I don't believe so much in superstition, but like me being so wandered, I'm like, let me not not go down through that tunnel. Let me just click pictures and <laughs> go from here. <laughs> um. So as you were riding Route 66, where mm-hmm. did you encounter the most traffic? Would you say? California. It's it's terrible. It's it's so. I, I looking at that traffic I thought riding in India Mumbai is good because in India Mumbai is one of the places where it's where the traffic is so terrible like for just crossing a crossing one mile sometimes you can do it in 10 minutes and sometimes it would take you more than 3 hours which is terribly bad and riding in California I felt the same way I'm like oh, I'm I don't want to ride here again it's bad so uh, and i know in california you can shift the lanes uh, it's legal to switch the lanes but um, there was no place to do that with all the cars on the road yeah yeah i mean um i think california and new york are two of the most um famous yeah. places for their their bad traffic but i was curious how it compares to mumbai and some of the the bigger cities in india so Um, <laughs> <laughs> Now you said that there is a lot of differences between driving in the US and driving in India. What types of things did you find the most odd about riding in the US? Um uh, the most odd thing about riding in the US is how the road exits are. Because in India it's just like a straight patch of road and like you find like two exits here and here here and here and you just go 
there's nothing like that so and if you miss that exit not a problem it just connects again to the highway it's like a straight connect to the highway again so in new jersey when i was trying to figure out it's my first day of ride i don't know the us roads i just know what google map showed me and i was really confused because i could see like 15 lanes out there and i don't know what to take or how to go uh while leaving from new jersey and i want to come on a state highway it showed me many exits and i missed one exit it took me back to a second exit and after like 5 miles it brought me back to the same place and like what is this I, it's so confusing for me about how the exits at least in new jersey worked for me was very confusing very much it so it happened to me like three four times and I was like for thirty miles. I was just revolving around few of the exits, and and it was snowing, so I was getting irritated on it. Like, what is this? It's already snowing. I'm feeling cold, and I'm just reaching back to the same place again and again because I missed few exits. So it was really annoying for me that time. <laughs> Now, um, I think is New Jersey the state that there's no left turns. Um. Uh, that you always have to kind of like you go to the oh. right and then it loops you around and you go straight instead of yes, going and yes, making a yes, left right yes. <laughs> yeah i think That's that the cool. for me um i used to live out in new york um and when i lived in dc i was taking my girlfriend at the time up to new york to kind of show her around uh, my old hometown and, and stuff like that and i hadn't driven through new jersey um as an adult so oh. we hit new jersey and we needed to go left somewhere and it was such a pain in the butt because there were no left turns and then it took me a second to figure out that you have to do this like little loop thing to come around and make left hand turns um, so even for those of us who live in the us there are places that you ride or drive and you're just like what's going on here <laughs> that is what i felt because me first day of driving I already have to be conscious because in India we drive on the left of left side of the road. It's like a left left side driving, and here we drive on the right side. So while taking even turns or while uh, doing a U turn or taking turns, I have to like really talk myself in my mind like go right, go right, go right, go right because I'm so my subconscious is this that I will. turn left because that is how i've been driving throughout my life in india and one fine day you give me a motorcycle and tell me to drive on the us roads which are all right turns and i'm like okay this is confusing <laughs> <laughs> so i already have to be conscious and on top of that making sure all the exit work out for me it and that too on a when it's snowing and i'm all covered in snow it gets annoying at times oh yeah Now you said that <clears throat> your favorite um landscape to ride in is mountains. Yes. And that leads me to uh and I'm looking up the name again. You had done the highest motorable pass at nearly 19,000 feet. Yes. Um and it's called what Marsmikla? Marsmikla? Yes, Marsmikla. Marsmikla. Yes. And I believe you were the first woman to uh make it to that uh to that marker. Yes so I so I'm the first woman to ride to the Mars Mikla pass and I feel amazing about it but when I think back about how how we achieved it it's it has like lots and lots of effort and then crying within the helmet too with it associated with it because it was uh it was snow but the snow and 
it was a steep mountain with that kind of snow and some so there were two ways to go which like one easy way that we can see like it's i can see the mountain just on the top of my eyes and there is a way that i could find and there is one way uh where the army vans were going through which is like far away from our eyesight but we could see army vans going through that road so we being us <laughs> we thought okay there is this way which we can reach the fastest let's go from that route because we could see that this is a shorter way to go and uh, riding in like that time it was like a three feet of snow with some ice patch uh, 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 not soft ice but a hard ice where your bike can skid so riding through that patch we can reach there it's a shorter way so let's not take a longer way we can go from here while going from that route at a specific point uh, the one who was leading us had his bike dropped like 5 feet under the snow and we were so scared looking at because we were just riding 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 and suddenly one bike dropped 5 feet down and i'm like okay this is tough we uh, we then removed the bike and everything but we were scared of going ahead because we don't know what's ahead bike can drop like 7 feet down or 12 feet down we don't know how how de- how deep the snow is so uh, we we just stopped for a while removed our helmets and started talking like what should we do should we go ahead should we not or like how can we reach to the top and at the the point was that that um, at that specific point we thought okay if our motorcycles cannot go we'll trek towards the top it's fine at least we'll touch the milestone take pictures and come back we won't try it it's fine uh, but we don't want our so efforts to like just i'm sorry about that sorry yeah one moment that are calling me <laughs> so um <laughs> Yeah, I we were like okay we reached this much it's like few meters ahead of us we cannot give up now let's find some alternate ways to make our motorcycles and us reach to the top of that hill and uh, we then we saw this army truck um, coming from far away and we thought that okay if the army trucks are coming that way the trucks might have created some dentures on the road there they might have created a patch so that we can go from there it's far it's the route is really far but okay at least we can reach so we took our motorcycles down from that hill went towards that patch and it was more difficult because it was just not ice so it was also when the army truck tires are like this huge like this huge and when it create dentures it also take out the mud which is below the ice and then you have a slushy it's ice plus slush so it's all that you have to go through and if your bike is not at the same momentum throughout the mountain you'll skid really fast it's a steep hill you'll skid so we had to make sure the bike is going on the same momentum with low oxygen on bike and we are also having low oxygen and we already covered a half the hill so we are already like we are breathing really heavy it's a very heavy breath that we are taking we are all tired our hands are all frozen it's turning blue and everything and i uh, coming back from the mountain riding towards the other mountain where we could see army trucks passing along having that dentures with that short dentures on the road with slush and ice both because on the sides it's all ice and in the middle there is a ice plus slush patch 
so having the same momentum on the bike it's tough and for that a kilometer it was just a kilometer uh, to the mountain and to reach that it took us 3 hours it's it was tough it was tiring we were exhausted um, but somehow we made it <laughs> and i believe that we were lucky enough to do it because to to ride to that mountain uh, you have to take special permission not from the cops but from the um, military people so you have to get uh, permissions from the military and then you can ride there but uh, the after so that patch that specific patch is just open for 2 months in a year and after that it closes down and then you have to wait for next year to ride through that patch again so uh, we were lucky enough because the the year after that military just closed that thing for everyone they didn't give permissions to anyone because uh, outside that border outs- it it was a china india border and just outside that uh, the milestone that you could see the mars where it's written mars mikla pass 0 kilometers and everything just across that uh, milestone it's the army base camp and then a china border to it so army just closed everything for us year after that so i was the lucky one who just got that last year to do it wow now how many people started on that trip with you and how many made it to the marker So uh we were around 14 15 people that started and towards the top just four people made it because uh it was tough uh because your hands were turning blue hand were changing color uh, by you were also bike okay bike is fine but you were also low on oxygen and the bike which is already low on oxygen you have to somewhere drag your bike towards the top to um, reach the mountain and for people uh, there are so we also help others if someone cannot reach to the top through the throttle of the bike we try to push the bike a little so that the bike gets the momentum so three people get off the bike try to push a bike a little and help people uh, uh, help people right towards the top so we were even doing that which makes us more tired because dragging with 2000 uh, uh 200 kgs of bike in a snow patch where your legs are skidding towards the bottom and just pushing him to go ahead it's tiring it's all tiring it's uh so uh 15 people started and just four people made to the top of the hill so but i really appreciate for all the people who opted in also because that's a tough decision to opt in to ride at least half the mountain it yeah. was tough to do that too <laughs> wow so you really stuck it out then i mean um you know it's already a small number of people who are willing to make that decision to go make the trip and then it sounds like an even smaller number of people who are capable of finishing it and then you're the only woman right so that's fantastic Thank you. Wow. It's fun. It's all adventure. So it's uh, I always think in the mind that I have opted for it. It's not someone has forced me to do that. So I cannot cry about my decision of doing this. <laughs> That's right. Now you said that the government has stopped giving people permission uh to do the pass now. Do you think that when you guys were there were, were they annoyed that you guys were there or were they uh, just amazed oh, no, they, and happy? They were or? really helpful. so they were like okay we have given you permissions but you need to make sure of certain rules you should not step even a single uh, you should not take your even a single step uh, beneath that 
the milestone symbol or a milestone thing you should not take a single step ahead because it should at sight order it's it's uh, it's a secretive military base out there and our operations are going on and there's this china border so it should at sight and i'm telling you right front that we cannot help you if if you step beyond that point we are not able we won't be able to help you because that's what we follow and we were and we were okay with it because of course military has its own set of rules and we are asking military permission that can we go to your your pass because it's a base camp for them so we followed everything and throughout the route when they saw us struggling so much they were kind enough to us because of the, uh, the the trucks were coming down too it was not just we going up there were trucks coming down to military trucks and they were kind enough to ask for uh, do you want water we have fruits we have oranges and apple do you want some you seem really tired and they were so helpful uh, we were just overwhelmed by the gesture because it's not their job to just ask uh just provide water food for us but they were really helpful for that and and they were they were supporting enough they were like oh you can do it you guys can do it it's just here it's just here just few steps and you are there just few throttles and you will be there it's not difficult come on you guys you guys can do it so they were very supportive which made us more enthusiastic and energetic okay let's do it okay what are we doing here let's we came for this let's do it kind of thing Well, it's got to be comforting to know that if something happens, someone's around because, you know, a lot of times when people go on adventures and uh, go through these like super high passes and really challenging things, there's not that many people around, you know. Yes. And the good thing is that they also offer for you. So if if you're feeling low on oxygen or if you're not feeling good, um they uh they offer you to get admitted to the military um uh, this medical care so they get you into their cabins they get you treated by a, a medical officer uh so they are there to help it's not that they disown you because you are a civilian you know not a human but yeah they they really take care about all the civilians too That's great. Done. Did anyone from your group take them up on their offer and get a little bit of oxygen while they were up there? They did. <laughs> so, uh, not in the Mars Mikla pass because up to reach Mars Mikla, it's like a three day drive, a three day ride from a snow planted mountains. It's not like one day we go and come back. To reach to the base of the the base of the mountain, it's it takes us three days through a numerous mountain patch which is more cooler, which is more cold and which has like more snow to it, but the roads are clear so we can go easily. But yes, it's snowing, it's again cold, the temperature is in minus degree Celsius and there are uh, so we feel low on ox- it's all low on oxygen levels but there are people who might have some health problems already who feel low on oxygen and who, who are not well so uh, they did we uh, so there were two people on our team uh, we were around 25 28 riders i believe who rode throughout that those uh, mountain patches and um, uh, two people from our group had to talk to military to get the oxygen and get treated by them so but yeah it it was fun it was all fun that's awesome um i mean it's 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 good that they asked for help when they needed it because sometimes people try to be stubborn you know right um 
Cause you know how people are sometimes, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. And then, you know, they're, they're like, you know, yeah. Last moment, <laughs> I'm like, you were fine. I'm like, oh, what happened? <laughs> um, now, my understanding is you've been on a number of adventures and going through lots of different countries. So first off, what is your favorite um, type of um, environment to ride through? I love mountains. The favorite oh, type I could say about this mountains, not the beaches, nothing at all, not the straightforward mountains. So uh, the countries that I visited are um, all the ones which has mountains in it. So there is this uh, Nepal, Bhutan, other countries that I visited. Sri Lanka didn't have a mountain, but it was a neighboring country and a good one to visit. I loved it too. But uh, Nepal and Bhutan are the two, two countries which I love. I really loved it. Uh, love visiting it okay and was it um was it strictly the landscape or was it a combination of the people and the food what were the parts that made it the best for you uh so it's uh so while riding what i feel is it's uh what makes it more fun is talking to people getting to know the culture of how they live or what kind of food they eat or just the general culture of them so that is what i believe in and i love visiting the places which has the combination of everything that i could find and i was really overwhelmed um i was uh, emotional in nepal because uh, when i visited in nepal uh, there were landslides happening the rains were so heavy that it just cut a piece of the rains just cut a piece of land and made it close to the water so uh, when i was in nepal uh, at night 11 11 in the night we were stuck because we had a landslide ahead of us so we cannot go ahead if we think of going back to some city we had a landslide uh, behind us so we were really stuck at the middle of the night uh, with no food <laughs> you can say uh, with no food uh, and we were confused on what to do. It was a very small village. Uh, with, we couldn't see any shops around that we can grab some snacks or some chips with us. We couldn't see anything. And we were really confused on what to do. So um, uh, we went to uh, we went to place where we saw, we saw a house in front of us. It just knocked at their doors. And we asked that, is there something, some motels or something that we can stay? We are riding and we got stuck here because of the landslides and we don't have a place to stay. So can you know, do you know of something nearby in this village that we can ride to? Or at least we can park our bikes here and walk to that place uh, through the landslides. And the villagers were so kind enough that uh, that the, the door that we knocked, the lady went to, went to their neighbors and spoke to them and they opened the door for us they're like you guys come and stay with us uh you guys take our rooms and our uh, our hall and our bedrooms we'll sleep on the kitchen floors if needed but you guys should be comfortable and you guys stay come and stay with us at the middle of the night all the people in the village woke up cooked food for us and you know that midnight it was almost 12 by then and they started cooking food for like so many people and they offered us food, they offered us warm water, warm blankets and everything that they could find at their places to make us comfortable. Which was like very surprising because at such remote places, uh, 
you would be scared to open like 15 people are in front of your door you would be scared to open the doors like you know what would, would uh, are they goons or what? why are these people here but they were not scared they were very uh, very humble and we slept throughout the night uh, the next morning when we woke up it was very surprising because uh, when we woke up the all the villagers gathered around at our new the place where we stayed and they put music they put the bollywood music and they started dancing with us they like they were dragging us to dance and they were announced they got some mic from somewhere and on the mic that they were announcing that our brothers and sisters from the neighboring country have come here to ride so let's everyone come out of their house and let's dance and let's cheer them up because they had a trouble night you know they were stuck here and they had landslides they're going to face many more challenges ahead so let's cheer them up and everyone from that village came out and started dancing for us we were so happy and we were like okay fuck the landslides fuck everything we are going to ride now with so much of energy because these people gave that to us we were really sad about it like what is this how can what, how should we plan the uh, the road trip ahead what should we do what should we not do but they made us cheer us up all they made us happy and we had a great journey ahead so it's all the food the culture of the people the humbleness of the people that i found there was amazing wow that sounds like such a fantastic experience um I am curious about something then. Um you said that you guys spoke to them. Mm-hmm. Um what's the language in Nepal? Uh, they understand our language. So we speak as uh we speak Hindi mm-hmm. and the majority of people understand that language. Uh so it's the same for the Nepal. They have their own language but they understand the the Hindi being like one of the universal Indian languages to speak. Oh, that's very convenient. That's great. It is it is very convenient for us. In the Bhutan same things. In the Bhutan, uh we uh we didn't speak Hindi much, but yeah, they uh we they understand Hindi, but they prefer speaking in English. So it's like Hindi and English are one of the combination that is like universally understood by all the neighboring countries we have. So it's it's nice. They understand English. That's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, that means I can visit Bhutan and I don't necessarily of have course, to speak of course. To, um, Yeah. <laughs> wow. I mean that's that's interesting. Um I would have thought now I mean maybe my geography is wrong but I would have um thought maybe Chinese was more prevalent near Nepal as a second language. Um and they they don't understand Chinese as much because um uh uh so there is this old saying uh, since like generations and generations like India Nepal are brothers and sisters. so they uh for the job purposes as well nepal people come to india side for the job because nepal is a bit small country and to find major opportunities they do come to india side and find uh, opportunities here too so uh they speak hindi and english um but they i'm not i don't think so they know chinese as well okay um I might be oh I'm thinking of Tibet that's where I'm getting confused I'm thinking yeah, of Tibet Yeah Tibet no yeah 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 all right Um so um let's see okay cool This is one we covered last time too but I I'm still I I find it really fascinating so I'm going to ask yes. it again Uh what is this is shifting gears a little bit but mm-hmm. what is the reputation of Royal Enfield in India It's 
it's a huge reputation back in india so um, we had this ad um, advertisement that used to come on our television generations and generations ago saying that uh, there is this um, uh, there is this train track the train is crossing and you know when the train crosses there is this uh, this thing that closes while mm-hmm. train to cross and the traffic to stop so there was this rollin field was the the person was riding rollin field and the train is coming from here rollin field is coming from here and the train stops for enfield so it's like let the elephant on the road pass and then the rest of the things will follow so it's like considered elephant on road and there's this old saying that came from that advertisement too that um, i was not born in a royal family but rollin field made me royal so and that is continued even now so if you go to any part of india and if you are riding rollin field people turn their heads around they're like ah oh, he's riding the beast kind mm-hmm. of thing so <laughs> it's it's one of that high reputation and still people want to get uh, there are many other bikes in india but uh, people would prefer getting rollin field still because one is uh, it's easy to ride on roads in india traffic uh with the traffic that we have here um it's very easy to ride and it can take us to mountains as well as roads so it's one of the bike which you can take to any of the mountains nearby or if you want to ride on city roads it's for both purposes so you don't need to get a special adventure tour or to ride on mountain or a specific road bike this thing can do both so it's it's a pretty big thing in india Nice. And if you visit India any time you'll find like thousands and thousands of enfield on roads. So you said <clears throat> that they kind of compared it to an elephant, right? Yes. W- what is the significance of elephants in India? Uh so elephant uh elephant is treated as one of our gods in India because we have this uh elephant god uh i can show one to you i just have right here so it's like one of uh one of the big gods that we have so you see this yeah yeah so that's like our elephant god for us and um while uh, to start something new uh to start something the first thing we do is pray to this elephant god so it it has that uh respect level of respect um on road Yeah, cuz I think a lot of people won't know the significance of being compared to an elephant in India, you yes. know. And so the <laughs> fact that the ad, you know, I I guess I am a little curious. You know, in the US people might get upset if you compared a brand to God, for instance, uh cuz they would consider it blasphemy. Yeah. But it's not like it didn't come across that way in india it sounds like it sounds like people actually liked it people yes people liked it because uh, first uh, when the rollin field started we didn't had any other motorcycle company in india that time at like i'm talking about decades and decades ago at like my grandfather's time i could say we didn't see any any heavy motorcycles on road now we have many other brands coming it with adventure tour road and heavy bikes but at that point of time we didn't have any heavy bikes and rolling field launched with a 200 kilos bike and that was the heaviest and the most expensive bike you found on road and being heaviest bike it that is also one connection to the elephant that it's the heaviest bike on road 
and elephant being one of the heaviest is like it's it's like riding an elephant on road and you get that respect to like you are riding oh wow roland field it's the heaviest bike you got that and it it's like one of the most expensive bike to of those times and you you're riding a roland field like the most expensive and the heaviest bike so you are you got compared to an elephant riding an elephant on road Wow. and that is why i don't think so people took offense on it because uh, that was the only bike you could find which is which can be compared to an elephant on road okay now i think that uh, royal enfield was um a british brand right and i think they used to make them out in the uk but i believe they now make them in india does that sound right yes yes they uh, they had that in uk and uh, now now the the complete pop and everything the design structure is still done in uk i believe i might be wrong but the last time i have heard the last time i have spoken to i think the design structure the research on the engines uh, and the design is done in uk and it's built in india everything so, assembly and build is done in india what was the reaction in india when they you guys started making the royal enfields in india we were excited we have a huge plant in chennai which is like the southern part of india and they still do like uh, the uh, the tours within within the that factory there are factory tours happening and we are still we are really excited to go and visit the factory tour see people making enfield from scratch paint to the painting the tanks and everything we are really excited to go there and watch it So do you feel almost like it's an adopted brand now that it's um also part Indian? Yes, so it's uh we don't consider as of now frankly speaking we don't consider it as a UK bike it's an Indian made bike it's an India bike. So it's <laughs> it's like we or we don't um whenever we see and roll and feel it's like oh it's an Indian motorcycle. Okay. And I assume that there's some pride in that now that you guys um are making them since you loved them for so long it seems like. Exactly. Yeah, we we have that own pride so all the people who are who still stays uh in the countryside of our, uh in, in India uh they if you if you give them preference of buying like the most expensive bike or a rolling field if you give them like million dollar and ask them which bike you would like to buy the most expensive one of a or a rolling field they will still prefer buying or getting a rolling field like 10 rolling field instead of that million dollar bike yeah that's awesome i mean you know i mean people complain a lot when when things change you know because humans just don't like change yeah. um but at the same time i think that if royal enfield was going to leave um the uk i can't think of a better place for it to go since the brand is so loved you know exactly it's loved as well as like that's one bike i like because um it's so budget friendly for me i can take it on the mountains and if if my bike falls it's it's natural like if you're riding somewhere new on a new patch you you can tend to uh, you your bike can fall it will happen at times and it's nothing to be ashamed about like okay my bike fell what will happen i should not worry about expense i should enjoy riding and forget about what if my bike falls okay i i don't want to spend like hundreds and thousands of rupees uh, preparing it 
it's so budget friendly that if something falls and rolls within my budget i can get it mend i can get it repaired nothing to worry about it's like that mm-hmm. kind of thing it's very the buying the bike is also budget friendly with the experience that gives and repairing the bike is also very budget friendly for me so i can take it on some ride and if something happens i know i can fix it again yeah okay um so now i also know that there is another brand that you like and uh tell me about the ducatis and how did you discover your love for ducatis and when do you think you'll end up owning one uh, uh so i went uh, one of my friends tried ducati and i uh, i just and i asked him can you give me a ride can, can i ride your bike for some uh, some miles here and there I was like, okay, sure. Here you go with your bike. Here you go. The bike is here. Just go and have fun. When I rode Ducati, I really loved it. And then I went to the showroom. Um, they invited. There was this new Ducati launch. I don't know which bike they launched, but yeah, one of uh, one of the new bikes they launched. And they invited me for um the launch party. I went there. I took a test ride of it, and I loved it. So I'm like, okay, this should be my next bike. I, I mean, Ducati should be one of my next bikes that i want to have so i really had uh, that in mind and um i'm sure i'm going to get it one day <laughs> but currently i'm very uh, happy having a enfield with me and riding places that uh, i didn't find need to get ducati but yes that is one of my bikes that i would love to have so i don't know if um if you guys have the same sort of um joke in in india but uh out here at least in the community of motorcycle owners there's this joke of how many bikes do you need and the answer is n plus one where <laughs> n equals the number of bikes you currently have yes. <laughs> so like, everyone always wants more you know right uh, <laughs> and it's like no, i you- was uh, i was about to so uh i was like i can i was about to buy a ducati and I already had in India. In India, I had like two and yeah, I had two rolling fields already, and I was like, I'm going to buy a Ducati. But then my parents were like, Okay, you already have a two bikes. Let's let's spend. Just go and buy a home instead. And then I got a house, and then you know everything came on the back track. Okay, I'm gonna get Ducati again. But then I came to US, and then. <laughs> riding and field here, so I'm really happy with it. Yeah, but I'm sure I'm gonna get Ducati one day. <laughs> Okay. And I hear that um you know your international license had expired and you had to wait a period of time before you were able to get your US motorcycle license. Um how long was that wait and how um how anxious were you to get back on the road on a bike? So yes, uh I when I was coming uh, two years back while well, route 66, I came to US. I got my international driving license. I rode went back to us so international driving license only have uh, expire after a year so again the next year i renewed it uh, came to us again for work purpose um uh, i didn't get a chance to write then but uh, at that time uh, 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 i was coming to meet my fiance too so that was the first time i was meeting him so he uh, he took me on some rides and everything so i used my motorcycle license then So when I married and came back here, my driving license has expired. Like I didn't renew it again with all the marriage thing and everything going on in India. It's a it's a huge thing back in India. It's like a week 
a week of wedding which has like three months you have to three four months you have to start preparing it and not even three months you have to start preparing it six months early so that time i didn't get chance to renew my license and those things i came to us i didn't have license and like what should i do now i have a bike i don't have a license <laughs> so um during that time it was of course six, yeah six months time span i didn't have a license yeah those many months i don't remember the exact but approximately that i didn't have license but yes um now i uh, then i went to those uh, dmv classes and everything got a license but then covid happened <laughs> so <laughs> my bad luck <laughs> oh man i know it threw, it threw a wrench in everyone's plans i feel like you know um, yeah and I, i i still have the endorsement receipt but i couldn't get my motorcycle license yet because dmv appointments are like i'm getting it in december or chat i don't know when so i it's uh, i i'll work with the endorsement for now i still have to get the license thing done yet yeah so i was lucky enough um so i took my class i think in april before everything mm-hmm. shut down and um they give you this little card that shows yeah. that you passed it and you're supposed to go to the DMV you give them the card and then they give you a temporary license and they send you in the mail your new license with the right. motorcycle endorsement in the back but yeah. what i found out was in Arizona they started letting people do it online So I called them and basically the lady was like, yeah, take a picture of it, upload it on the website. So mm-hmm. I took a picture while I was on the phone with her. I uploaded it into the DMV website yeah. and she looked at my account and she's like, "Okay, I see it." And so uh she said, "Okay, pay your money." So I went in and I paid the money for it and she emailed me the temporary license and then the new wow. one came in the mail like 2 weeks later. Amazing. Yes. Yeah, I just great. Yet. I don't I don't I don't know if Texas does that. They should do that. It's amazing. I have the slip yet. I still have to get the license thing done like get the actual license. But I'll check this out. I didn't know about this. I'll check this out if it is there in Texas or not. I didn't know either. I waited I think 2 weeks. where i was just going oh i wish i had my could get my license you know and um i was online in um one of the discord servers i'm a part of and someone was like oh i think arizona lets you do that online and i said what <laughs> and so i you know got on the computer and i really couldn't get anything yes or no um on online so i just called them and i said hey i hear that i might be able to convert my um my card that shows i passed the class to my motorcycle endorsement online is that true and lady's like yeah we can do it right now well uh, yeah i'll check that <laughs> out there i didn't know about it <laughs> i'll check that out on monday <laughs> and i don't know if texas does it but again i mean they but might it, it doesn't harm checking thing out like yeah. if it if it is if they do it that way amazing i don't need to take dmv appointments and wait there for like three for us to get my license oh yeah because dmvs are notoriously um slow you know uh when yeah. you have to visit in person so i even in arizona out here for before covid i would try not to go to the real dmv we've got uh, private dmvs uh, okay and so it costs a little bit more money to go there but there's a whole bunch of them and they're never busy so you uh, can get yeah. so much done without going to a real dmv right Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, thanks for letting me know. Sure, you'll have to keep me posted. Let me know if Texas does it. <laughs> of course. <laughs>
Um, now, you had mentioned that you'd gotten married, and that's one of the reasons that you came back to the U.S. Um, how did you meet your husband? Uh, so in India, we have something called as arranged marriage. Uh, we have matrimony websites where I put my details, like my uh, height, my body type, my skin color, my salary, the profession that I work, um, and other like 15, 20 different things. And I also add the same details for my partner, like what I would need in the partner, like with exact same thing, height, weight, body type, color, salary, what profession you do, you want your partner should work in, and all those details, like what are your preference for the partner? I put everything in, in that app. Uh, and then that app gives me like, they, it gives me hundreds of matches, but like the best 15, 20 match, it, give, it gives me daily, you swipe right, swipe left. So my parents used to do that. So it's like arranging. So uh, my parents used to find uh, what they would prefer uh, as a partner in me. They would give me access, like, you also search a bit. And that time I was like, like no, I like you do it. You know my preference, what I'm looking in partner, you do it. And uh, just let me, give me the final list of guys. I'll check that out. And... Um, and that is how uh, I met my uh, my husband. Uh, so my parents first spoke to their parents and uh, they they really liked it. The family interacted and they liked it. So they're like, okay, we, you know, this is this guy. Would you like to talk to him? The parents are really cool. And I was like, sure, why not? And before that, we have a thing of uh, uh, being Indians. We have this thing called as uh, we try to match the astrology of both the people like me and my husband's astrology. Uh, and uh, so that's like the first step of good. I don't believe in it, but it's something that if our parents believe we are okay, like it doesn't harm. So uh, the astrology matched and everything. That is when I contacted uh, my husband, like the first conversation. So I believe our parents spoke. Do you want to speak? Like what are, what are your preferred prefer time to speak? And when I spoke to him, we really clicked on the adventures that we do. He loved God. He have visited like uh, 48 states in US already. And he loved adventure. I love adventure too. We have a different mode of adventure, but it's the the the, uh, the thinking is the same. Like what I do is on motorcycle, and what he do is is on cars. But uh, then the the passion is the same. The things that we do is the same. So we really clicked on that, and that is how we spoke for a while. And then we were like, okay, I can marry him, kind of uh, thing. Wow! And now, how long was it? from the time that you guys met until you got married? Uh, it was a year long because he was in US and I was in India. We have uh, we have like Zoom calls but, or WhatsApp video calls, but uh, we never met. And um, without meeting a person, like we planning a marriage, like he coming to India and, uh, you know, for like a uh, few days and then planning a marriage is, Come, I was not okay with it. Neither was my husband because we never met. We never spent time. And uh, then luckily, um, I was coming here. Can you just give me a minute? My puppy is playing with his toy. I'll just <laughs> give you a minute. Okay. Hey, I'm back. Okay. <laughs> so um, it was a year-long process because we never met. 
and suddenly i don't want to meet my husband on like the day of the marriage <laughs> so <laughs> that's something that we we both didn't agree on so we thought like i'm coming to us and for work so why don't we like spend our travel together like uh, let's let's travel somewhere together and see how things work out because what i believe is like uh, when you travel with a person you know the habits and the nature of the person that you don't know with just one or two meetings so <laughs> we traveled uh, we had we traveled for quite long like two and a half weeks of travel we did with our friends and everything uh, we went to um, i think michigan yeah we went to michigan um it was in december we had like all we, we enjoyed the snow we went to michigan detroit came back to texas philly and all, all those places yeah so that is how i met my husband and after meeting we were like okay let's get married now so <laughs> it was uh, in uh, last year march we had um, engagement done in us itself so sorry last year august we had engagement done in us and then last year december we married in india so back in india we flew down to india wow I mean, that's really cool. Um, you know, everyone's got their own approach to things. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't know that there's any real perfect approach, you know what I mean? Because plenty of people of who, you know, were friends for a long time and get married, end up getting divorced and people who elope sometimes get divorced. Like there's, there's no guarantees, no matter how you end up getting married. So right. I think uh, it's... I don't know. I, I think that that's one of the uh, better ways, like having the families meet and, you know, taking the time to kind of make sure that your interests align and stuff because, like that. So. Yeah, because the thing in India is it's just uh, we the, uh, the thing that we say is like in India, it's just not husband and wife getting married, like not just not two people getting married. It's like the whole family gets married. and uh, family doesn't mean my mom dad and my sister it's like the complete like 50 relatives that we have like all my uncles aunts and uncles family like all the 50 100 people that we have like we all get married we all get into some kind of relation and uh, because my aunt becomes uh, his his aunt too then his family's aunt becomes some relation to our family too so it's like a complete mixture of like 100 200 people having some relation with us so that is why we say that it's in india it's just not two people getting married it's like all 500 people <laughs> included <laughs> in that process i mean that makes sense you know yeah. uh, so one of the things i mentioned last time and i'll i'll mention again this time is that your um your clothes both you and his um were just so cool thank you, you. Know? and i know you'd mentioned that there was something somewhat special about your dress from uh the wedding and you want to tell us again yes uh, so uh, um you know when we kids we always have that dream okay this designer dress looks good when i get married i want to wear this dress this designer dress i want to grow myself financially or you can say in career wise to that level that i can afford that dress and and while affording that dress it doesn't mean that i don't have money in my bank account just spend everything there it's just like i i should have enough that when i spend on that i don't mind spending on it like it should not be having all my savings there so when i was a kid i used to have a uh, one designer like there is this sabya sachi designer he is one of the 
famous uh, wedding designers across globe so uh, he designs wedding dresses amazingly so i always wanted to wear that designer dress and when i was getting married i'm like okay mom let's go and check. so uh, when i i flew i flew from us to india to have the marriage preparations done because ankit was in us he, could, he cannot fly to india i can so i have to go back to india to do the marriage uh, preparations and that is why i left the bill train race program that because i had to fly down to india to do the marriage preparations so uh, my mom was like let's go and check out dresses and then i was lazy enough i'm like yeah we have time we have time so just for fun my mom told okay let's go and check out that designer dress you want to wear always and you talk about it let's go and check out that and i was like okay fine i just jumped out of the bed i'm like okay let's go it, it was that excited excitement for me because uh knowing parents they always say that okay don't spend much you should know about you should learn savings you should learn to save money or about to get married you should learn how to save this how to save that and when my mom said okay let's go and check that designer dress knowing it cost like 100000s and 100000s of rupees i was really happy like how can how can what just happened <laughs> like that kind of thing i like okay let's go and when we went here even my mom liked it and she was like okay you look pretty in this why don't you get this it's one of your dreams like fulfill it it's fine and i was so happy seeing the excitement on her face and knowing that i'm going to spend so much on that dress and still she's okay with it <laughs> she's not lecturing me about saving that money i was so excited and happy that my family supported too that decision and i was like okay that is how i got the designer dress which cost me around 6 7000 yeah um yeah in indian rupee i can say it costed me around uh 600000 rupees wow so, yeah <laughs> but you know uh it really really was beautiful though you know uh, the the pictures are so fantastic as well um <laughs> and you mentioned before that you can actually use it for more than just the wedding right yes so uh, the the dress the one reason that i like the designer dresses because uh the wedding dresses are very fluffy they have those things inside which makes fluffy and because of that it's you cannot always wear in all the functions that you get and um here this dress they have this attachment which you can remove from being fluffy it has that attachment to it and you can just remove and just wear the dress and go as a normal it looks like a normal dress too so which will make me like i can mix and match with a different top with a different style all together i can mix match that dress with lot of different variations and that dress would just not be for the wedding purpose i can use it on the multiple functions that i get and it won't be like i see you wear yeah why do you always wear this kind of dress it won't be the same dress always i can do many mix and match with that so that is one thing that i really loved about it is just i'm not spending that much for just one night that is something that i can use for always some other functions too Yeah, yeah. I mean, um that's the the kicker for a lot of wedding dresses in the US is you basically however much you pay, you're paying for one day. 
Yeah. You know, it's like closed for one single day, which makes it, in my opinion, because I do accounting as my day job. Um, it, it's like I'm always thinking about money and it's like, oh, my God, that's just so much money to spend for one day, you know. Uh, but knowing that you could actually use it for other like fancy occasions and, and dates and, and different things like that, you know, makes it a lot more palatable to spend that kind of money on clothes. Exactly. Uh, now, you said your husband's also really into fashion, and he also has an interesting story that goes along with his wedding clothes. Right. So, uh, my husband, he also loves wearing, he loves dressing up. So, uh, when we were looking for his dresses, he was in US, and um, what he could find is just whatever is online he cannot go to showrooms in india in us he cannot go of course because there are not many indian showrooms here we can find indian dresses so you of course have to see the online websites of all the indian stores um, and majority of them were so frustrating because um, when he used to log in from us he see the different collection which is mm. on the US website and they pick up the VPN you cannot just shift like I want to go to the Indian website and see so he used to get frustrated with that and um, they, we were just talking about what kind of dress he wants like I can go to Indian stores and see and video call him and show that is what I was doing I used to go to stores the designer stores video call him just to see but the video call experience is also not that as you see in person so uh, we there was this uh, movie Bollywood movie in India which uh, which showed uh, the the story of a king and a queen of a certain generation. So uh, when we were looking at uh, so that movie one of the it's one of the famous Bollywood movies we have. And when I was talking to him about what kind of dress he wants and he was like, do you remember that movie? The the uh, the king the dress the king wore it looks really cool. I want that kind of dress. I would like uh, so the um, uh, the uh, what there is this caste system in India. The caste that we belong to are of the king and queen castes. Uh, the 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 branches. So he really loved it and he's like I would like I, I would want to look like that in my wedding. And I was like okay sure. Where do I find it? Like which stores do I find it? Do you have a designer in mind? And I tried finding stores online, I couldn't find it. He tried finding, he couldn't find it. So what he did was, he watched the movie, um, he watched the credits of the movie then, and saw like, scroll through all the credits till the end, where he could find the name of the designer who designed the dress for that actor in that movie. And um, he told, okay, this, this designer designed it. Do you have a store? Do you see a store anywhere? And we researched on it, I saw a store in Mumbai. I'm like, okay, I do have a store in Mumbai, I can go and check it out. I went there, I showed them, okay, this is the design that I'm looking for. And he was like, okay, yeah, we can make it. This is our design, we can make it. And when I went uh, to collect that dress, uh, he told me, the, the store manager told me, so this dress is just, till now I have just built two dresses in whole India, in whole world, you can say it's just, two and one was for the actor and the one is the one that you are taking now it's just uh, two handmade dresses that we have built for this uh, like oh you're the, you're the second one wearing that dress I used to tease my husband you're the second one wearing that dress in the world that is so cool <laughs> it is you know um 
Now, I also saw that you guys had a really cool video made. Um, and I had asked you before, but I'm gonna ask you again. Um, I noticed that you guys blend the two languages, um, you know, the Hindi and the English. Yeah. Why, why is English making its way into your, uh, your, your wedding video? So uh, it's, it's basically the video that we made uh, was predicting how we met and it it is also like how we are, but we also want to connect it with the people who are coming to our wedding, the relatives and the, to the guests who are coming to our wedding. So for us, we know English and Hindi, both the languages. We are comfortable with both. But the people who are coming to the wedding, it's they just because it's just not like our aunts and uncles. It's like our grandmoms, and then uh, we have like lot many grandmothers because we just not call one. I mean, the one grandmother that we have, and to the similar age, we have our aunts and uncles who we also call as grandmothers because they're of that certain age. They're of some eighty or ninety year old, so um, we call them grandmothers too. We don't call them just standard language. So they don't know English very well. The reason being, uh, English started after independence. Like after independence, we got um, Hindi schools. There were Hindi schools. There were not even English schools. And uh, to get English into the curriculum, English schools were very expensive that those days. And we are the generations where our parents got us enrolled into the English schools. Before that, our parents also used to go to some Hindi schools. Majority of the parents, I can say, not all, but a majority of the parents used to go to Hindi schools. So um, that is how, uh, um, that is why they don't know English pretty well, like a lot of relatives. And uh, we, knowing English and Hindi, we thought let's build those two cultures in the video and express what we feel like how we met and all the things around us what we do what we are let's express that in video with all the two cultures embedded in it oh that's very nice now how much um how much of the creative process came from the video production team and how much came from you guys or was it just a pure collaboration between the two the two of you guys uh so um we gave them the 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 dialogues that you see in the video, Ankit speaking, me speaking, uh, that's all us. That's the script. The script writing is all done by Ankit. It's, it's him. It's my husband. So he wrote the complete script. He wrote the complete um, gist of it. Uh, me and him discussed what concept do you want, do we want around the video and the production, the editing part and the building of the video was totally done by the production team but the concept and the script writing was done by us wow that's <laughs> impressive you know because it was very creative um and i i thought it was beautiful so thank you <laughs> yeah you're welcome uh speaking of beautiful things again i see you're wearing those earrings from last time oh uh, yes um, i have like uh my sister makes this beautiful earrings uh so she hand make the these ones and sell on the estate shop she have. So she have this uh, shop as Prachi's Women's Art, and she make like really cool, pretty earrings. You can see with hand, and she have this 
Christmas collection going on. So if you also want to get one, just <laughs> you yeah. can go to her shop and get one for your girlfriend or your fiance yeah and that's you know it's funny because that's one of her favorite colors too my girlfriend's oh, really? is that yeah. uh, like teal blue yeah, yeah yeah um so you said before your sister is also a scientist and now she's also doing some handmade art that's really cool i mean um what kind of science does she do so uh she was always bookish like she since her since she was a kid she was always into studies so she really loved chemistry very much she used to get she found it interesting to you know how all the chemical makes and what are the mixtures what are the formulas created and all those things she used to get intrigued by those things and that is what she pursued she pursued chemical engineering back in india and then there is this as you have nasa here uh, back in india we have something called as uh, ISRO and DRDO, ISRO is for like how NASA works here and DRDO is specific for the military, uh, um, the army military purpose. So she used to work at DRDO on their projects and um, she got some awards for it too. She has some patents on her name. She got some award from the National Science Institute and everything. So she is like that brainy scientist and she tell, I if I ask her about her work, she tells me something and it just goes like bounce her head. It just bounce my head. I, I don't understand the thing. I'm like, okay, you're doing something, I know. <laughs> so <laughs> that is how. And then when she came here, she pursued her master's in again, chemical engineering. And um, then she used to work for different companies. She works for Philips and now... Uh, it's like now she have she also does this handmade uh, earring and she has this handmade jewelry shop wow i know um that a lot of people sometimes get stuck in in um just being one thing and i think sometimes it makes people uh I don't know it makes them one dimensional right so it's really nice right. when you see someone who is also you know analytical but can also be creative at the same time uh there's some course, yeah. i find them to be some of the most interesting people really, i'm really impressed how like from being a scientist to this is like completely or uh, it's like a north pole and south pole thing it's like i could uh, if you said tell me she's a scientist and she also loves art i'm like always intrigued by it oh wow that's fantastic so uh and I'm, I was, uh, to see my sister grow, I was really happy. Like, okay, you love arts. You started your own business. She have those marketing mailers coming out, news, newsletters coming out. She built content out of it. She have those content creation by herself, marketing by herself and um, all those things. So I'm really glad that she have uh, both passion and work together. She is taking it uh, along really well. Yeah. Now, I think um, you did software engineering, right? And then you moved into project management, it sounds like. Um, yes. What kind of software did you work on? So uh, we used to work on a software called as Microsoft Dynamics CRM, which used to manage, uh, uh, I used to develop it. We used to, uh, it, it managed all your companies. Uh, it's like a SAP. Uh, which manage every detail of your company, give you revenue details, forecast your revenue and all those things. I used to uh, develop that software. 
and from that field um i started learning more of a management perspective in uh, there was uh, this company which uh, i was also working as a developer but also doing some additional work and that is how i grew into manager role within that company i'm like okay i can take up more responsibility more work and then i love the management side of it too like designing uh, the timelines architecture and talking to clients understanding their requirements and everything that is how i got into the management side of it too wow so you know uh, what do you see as your future career path What's your goal? Uh, <laughs> let's see now. Um, I really like being a project manager. So uh, let's see how much I can grow more into this role. Okay. So wait and see, it sounds like. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, what does your husband do? He's a senior software developer uh, with a company, uh, with a G transportation. So he works... Uh, as a senior software developer and he really okay. loves it so you guys yeah. have something that you can talk about in common then yes yes that is one more thing that we really clicked while talking to each other we were like okay we have something common to talk to and when he because you want a partner who can understand your work too so if he comes and talks about his office work he's stressed with something he talks to me about something i understand that concept or that part of his life and he does the same for me so that is something that again clicked us for getting married it was not just the adventure part but also something that common that we can talk about yeah now um does he ride motorcycles uh he rides motorcycles but he loves cars he would prefer riding a car instead of a motorcycle what uh what's his dream car uh i'll ask him instead what's your dream car ferrari, ferrari, ferrari. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> i i used to live in italy and those things were all over the place out there <laughs> yeah we currently have a bmw but yeah ferrari one day <laughs> yeah i saw you guys got a four series right yeah yeah Yeah, yeah, it's a beautiful. Yeah, it, I loved it. <laughs> yeah, and you uh you were mentioning that one of the reasons that you guys decided to get it was they had the hard top convertible, right? Yes. Yes, so I was I was uh looking into a red Audi. I, I really like red color and I saw red Audi, a convertible and I was like I want to get that, but Ankit loved the BMW 4 series that we have now and he sold me on the hard top. He was like, "See, it has a hard top." it just it's it's good when it hails in dallas it's it's really bad when it does it is good we can convert it into sedan when we like when we want we can convert it into convertible i'm like yeah you sold me on that let's get a bm instead well and it's and like i said before it's way quieter to have a hard top convertible than the cloth convertibles those things can get so noisy you know so it does, it does yeah i'm really glad with what we got yeah good decision really by nice. him Now um speaking of artistic science I think you mentioned you used to paint um yes. when you did paint were you oil painting acrylic watercolor what was your what was your medium of choice 
so I used to have watercolor paintings done. I used to paint. Uh, uh, so there is this two painting exams in India. It's considered as one of the good top exams. So I gave those exams. I got a A grade in it and everything. But then I left it because um, job and then uh, studies. There were a lot of studies to do. I had science. I, I took science stream. So I had like many studies. Um, I used to paint, uh, but I didn't find time for painting as much I used to do before. So that is one of the hobby that is like left behind. I should have continued it further, but yeah, that's something that left behind. Well, you know, with lockdown, uh, maybe you can take up painting again. <laughs> yeah, I know. You can paint motorcycles in the outdoors and, you know, everywhere you wish you could be at the moment. <laughs> um now i think you also mentioned you love to dance right yes dance and the other hobby that i didn't mention it last time but um it was something with me till the end but i didn't continue it further again because of all the studies and everything was i i was really good in martial arts i won many state level championships and all those things so that i continued it for a very long time and that is something that i'm looking forward to do again like once the covid things really slows down i'm gonna enroll in a martial art class now <laughs> that is something that i'll start again because uh that is one thing that i really loved doing it um i got many gold medals in many of the uh the karate championships um i have uh, I, my name was recognized in the newspaper and everything i have state level champion i won state level championship i won national level championship and when i was trying to go to international um i had all the exams and studies with me so right now colleges give many um many uh, they they promote sports but uh, during the time when I was in college, it was not promoted as much. Studies was given utmost importance. So my grades were like uh, not loading down, but yeah, it was affecting my grades. And I'm like, okay, let me do studies more. And that is something that I left behind, which is I'm gonna, which I'm gonna start again. You know, that's that's really cool. I um, I've done martial arts since I was a kid, basically, and I, I had to stop at some point when I was an adult just because work got so busy and the classes have specific times. There's no flexibility. Yeah. Um, but when you get back into martial arts, do you see yourself getting back into karate or do you see yourself maybe trying jujitsu and Muay Thai? Or? Uh, I'm trying to, I'm still double-minded on martial, uh, karate or jitsu. Those two things are still like I'm thinking. So once uh, once this COVID thing gets a little low, so uh, because Texas is like number one right now, so I'm really worried about going to some classes or everything. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So once the count like, gets a little low so i'm trying to go to a class talk to trainers what they would prefer what they suggest and then enroll into one well i mean i guess it all depends on why you're taking the martial arts right because um if you enjoy the um the exercise and the camaraderie and things like that i mean anything that you you choose can can work but um personally i don't like grappling um, okay. I did striking, like I did karate, I did taekwondo, I did a little bit of kung fu, like yeah. I did a whole bunch of different um, martial arts, but they were all pretty much striking. And so wow. as I got older, I thought, you know, most fights, if you end up on a fight, end up on the ground. 
And yeah. I never did any wrestling. I never did any jujitsu. So when I joined martial arts again, I went and um, joined an MMA club. And so we did oh. jujitsu and Muay Thai and boxing. Um, and I don't know. I feel like, you know, if you don't have any, I don't know if you do or not, but if you don't have any grappling skills, I would encourage you to get into jujitsu because then you're kind of become more round, right? Because then you okay. can punch someone yeah. in the face and you can choke them. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I, I like this and as far as self-defense goes i mean uh jiu-jitsu is like the great equalizer because you don't have to be big and strong um, right. to do jiu-jitsu and choke someone like you, know, you cut off the blood to someone's brain it doesn't matter how big they are they're going to fall asleep right. <laughs> That is why I'm considering those two because karate is something that I have like until now I know what it is and jiu-jitsu is just things that I'm hearing from all the people around me. So that is why I just wanted to talk to someone and understand like what what are the difference between them and like what is beneficial that I can think upon what is beneficial for me to carry on like what I want when I understand like a proper difference between those two and this helped me. This really helped me understand it. Yeah. And then this is, again, coming from someone who doesn't really like to grapple. I much prefer to kick and punch people than I do right. to roll around. But it's just, <laughs> it's so helpful in real life if anything happens. You know, like I felt... I felt like I was being negligent to myself if I didn't learn something about grappling. You know? Right. So <laughs> anyway, that's my own perspective, but I love martial arts anyway. It doesn't matter. Like I say, I don't like grappling, but that's like relative, right? right? You know, like I prefer to punch and kick people, but I still do enjoy choking someone. Like it's like, <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> but uh, I've always been a germaphobe and that's been part of the issue with me is like when you're grappling, you got people like sweating on you and yeah, yeah, you're like yeah. hugging them right. and, and stuff. And it just, it's, to me, it grosses me out a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but, right. yeah you'll have to keep me posted i'll, I'll be curious to see of what course, you get into because uh karate's yeah. fun too right sure of course yeah i'll definitely keep you posted on what i choose yeah um do you think you'll post it on your instagram if you get I back will, yes. okay i, I wasn't sure because some people like to like have um their motorcycle stuff on one account and then like um day-to-day -day stuff on another account yours i you know i went through it before the uh interview and i see that you know you did have sort of a mix but it seemed like as you got closer to current it was more and more motorcycle motorcycle so i wasn't sure right. if you... so i i don't like keeping two accounts because like that's that's not who uh, that account is for me like that's all who I am if I'm traveling I'm traveling by car if I'm on motorcycle I'm on motorcycle so it's like what I do I just post it there on one Instagram page and it's easy to handle one page instead of having two accounts and handling two accounts that's a lot of work yeah, I think I have five or so. So it, wow. I mean, uh, it is a lot of work. It's not as much now because um, the other ones are primarily photography related. Uh, and I'm not doing any photography while COVID's going on. So they're right. kind of just sitting there for now. Um, but they overlapped for a little bit um, when I first got back from Nicaragua. And then um, since then, I've just kind of put all the photography stuff on hold and I'm just going to wait, take pictures of my bike when I'm out. And then when there's a vaccine or something, I'll start taking pictures of people again. And then my other accounts yeah. will be, get active. But. I think we all are waiting for vaccine to come. Oh, my gosh. 
Yeah, I was so tired sitting at home even like I'm also waiting like when will I start martial arts karate or whatever jujutsu when if I want to join in and will we have a normal life again You know you just got to get the husband to get some pads and uh you know you can start working with him Right <laughs> Say hey this is how you take a kick stand there and <laughs> stand there hold back <laughs> If something happens on my fault, it's I'm I'm a new. I'm just starting, so you have to take few hits too. That's right. <laughs> um, what kind of karate was it? Did you guys do Shotokan or what was the uh, what was the type? Uh, so we had like uh, the just the martial arts done. Like we had like kathas and all those things. So the basic martial arts I started with. Okay. Oh no, I just mean um like there's different styles of karate, right? Like um uh my style that I took was called Chishin Ryu uh karate mm-hmm. and then the biggest one in the United States is probably Shotokan um okay. style, but it's all karate, you know what I mean? It's just right, right, um right. uh if you trace the lineage, they've got different people who started that line of karate or whatever, so yeah. I don't know about that. <laughs> okay. I don't know if it's big, I don't know if it's a big deal everywhere. I know in the US um a lot of the instructors would try to impress people with like the lineage. They would say, "Oh, uh, you know, my instructor did this and his instructor did that and you can like trace our martial arts all the way back to this person and, you know, 1000 BC or, you know, whatever." But <laughs> interesting to know. Yeah. Um so did you watch uh Karate Kid? Yes, I did. It, the, it's it's an amazing movie. It's amazing with this movie. And what about it. the the new Netflix show though? Um, did you uh, watch no, Cobra Kai? Yeah. Cobra Kai. I watched few episodes of it. Then I went to travel. Then probably I watched now again. I'll start it again. I watch. Yeah, it's it it. I really liked it how it goes back to those old times and then comes back and then he's trying to build up the classes, trying to figure it out how to start it again. I like the I like the show. Yeah. All right, so I got two more questions and then I think uh we can wrap it up because it's it's getting kind of late on a Saturday and uh now I've made you do this twice. So, um <laughs> So the the uh first question is kind of a basic. How did you first get into motorcycles? So, um I used to hear stories about my dad riding motorcycles in college and impressing the college girls and all those things and I used to see my uncle uh riding motorcycles through the mountains so I'm like I used to talk to ask my mom like I also want to ride motorcycles I also want to get one so and they were really scared and uh, the motorcycle I, that I want to ride was a Royal Enfield always I used to see the advertisement got influenced by it and I was like I want to ride that motorcycle and they were really scared of me uh, so when I was in college uh, school and i asked like okay i want to go to school buy a motorcycle buy me a motorcycle so we went to a showroom and um that time i see this uh, honda fz uh, motorcycle and i was like i want to get this one that time because um uh, i also thought that me being a school kid i should not get a royal enfield which is of a 200 kg bike let me start from the basic and i'll eventually get there and that time my mom is like okay um that is like too heavy bike right this uh, uh this uh it's the automatic motorcycle for now which is like we have this active i don't know you have the brand here but we have this uh, automatic motorcycle which is like no gear shifting nothing just 
accelerate the throttle and you'll reach it's that way so it's very easy uh so i never got a geared motorcycle so i used to have that i used to ride it in school and i was like okay mom now export this when i then when i got into college and i was like i now i uh, i'm not, not college i started owning then i started owning i saw my uncle posting trips of those himalayan mountains those snow mountains riding there he's going on a treks and everything and then i'm stuck with work because that time i just started working and i that uh, those initial fresher working phase you know how you get all the work and you want to prove yourself in the office of and all course. those things <laughs> so i used to work a lot that time and when i used to see uncles uh facebook page filled with motorcycles i'm like i think i should get one motorcycle now i went back to mom and my mom was like uh, I-, i told mom i want to get a royal enfield now i am morning well i'll get a royal enfield and uh, that was the time my dad was coming back to india for like a week and i'm like my dad is coming i'll take him i'll get a motorcycle and that time my mom is like ah let's get the motorcycle that you asked me about that hot honda fz motorcycle let's get that when rolling wheel will be too heavy i'm like no i'm not this time i'm not getting into that trick again i'm getting rolling wheel <laughs> i'm getting the motorcycle so when my dad came to india the instincts my dad landed like my dad opened the door and came inside the house and like hi dad how are you let's go get a motorcycle <laughs> so i didn't even ask him do you want rest you need rest it's been a long flight for you i'm like let's let's get, go get a motorcycle and that is how i bought my first royal enfield oh my gosh that's great <laughs> <laughs> your mom tried to get you to get an fc <laughs> yeah <laughs> she was really worried about me <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Um, but uh I'm glad you ended up with the Royal Enfield because you seem so so happy with it. Yeah, of course, I'm glad to that. The first bike I converted, I after a year of me riding on roads, I modified the complete bike. I removed the I just kept the tank, engine and seat and removed everything from the bike and made it a dirt bike. So that's the first bike that I'm close to I I raced on that bike I drove on that bike so I really enjoyed it. Wow. Um so the next question last question mm-hmm. is yeah. you started you love to travel and I understand you started traveling on your own uh quite early so how old were you when you started traveling by yourself? So um when we used to have summer vacations in India um I didn't like staying at home. My sister was a very bookish person. She doesn't want to go outside. She want to take some course, some classes, read some books and not novels. Some some not uh, school books or some book that will give her knowledge instead of novels. So she used to do that a lot and I used to get very bored by it because I had my karate classes that time going on but how I mean I didn't want to stay at a place for 3 months summer vacation. I just couldn't so I want to go to some place and I asked my mom like okay uh, and uh, the thing is that the reason that I started solo traveling is my dad doesn't used to stay with us because he used to go on projects uh, office projects to some different countries and just come once in a month at home so he had work uh, he had work um, at some different countries constructing some different plants and everything 
and uh, me being two sisters one doesn't want to go out and one wants to stay at home uh, i mean one wants to go out my mom had to choose with whom should i go like she cannot be at both the places at one time <laughs> so uh, when i was in 8th uh, grade i i like frustratingly told my mom that this is enough like now i because of my sister i have to stay at home for like all my summer vacations so i don't want to do that i really want to go to some place so in 8th grade my mom was like okay i cannot be at both the places at the same time i have to be here with your sister so what you can do is you can learn solo traveling so she took me to the airport got me and in india here you are allowed inside airports in india it's not allowed you have to stay outside airport once you enter the gate the the gate of the airport it's all you there there's no one so that's the difference between india and us airports oh, and yeah once you get in like me being eighth grade kid i don't know what to do so uh, we went uh, my mom when when she was getting in she told the secure the, the security officer that she's a kid she's traveling solo so can you just ask her flight attendant like uh, her flight people just to take care of her till she reaches the flight because she it's the first time she's traveling and that two through flight so they were good the officers were good they asked me where to get the tickets and everything done i went inside i did that everything on my own and being the kid there's advantage people help you a lot they they take you to the spot they will walk you towards that check in counter and help you with it so that was the advantage i got like being the only kid with no guardian around me so i learned a lot that is how i learned talking to people asking them for help and um understanding how the process works like from walking to the security gate to taking the tickets to and uh, walking towards the security checkpoint moving your shoes or belt or watch whatever is needed so you need to uh, that that is how i got into solo traveling and um, more to more about talking to people and experience and knowing what they feel like and that is how i started solo traveling and till then like i enjoy traveling a lot So eighth grade is that what fourteen uh, or thirteen or yes, somewhere around thirteen years, yeah. Wow! And <laughs> so, w- where did you end up going though for that first trip? Ah, uh, so first trip was in the northern, uh, northeast India, which is like the, uh, uh, that the um, the the top eastern side of India. It's like a state called as Meghalaya, which is again filled with. beautiful mountains uh beautiful valleys uh waterfalls uh it rains pretty well there so you have beautiful waterfalls beautiful all green roads and everything so my aunt used to stay there my dad's sister used to stay there and i went i went to that place because my mom cannot be like okay i'll book your hotel tickets also you cannot say the eight grader that go alone on a flight stay alone travel alone and come back so she started with me uh, like she used to send me to all my aunt's place if i want to travel so that they are there to take care of me that there to make me travel or make me see places around their houses and all those things so that is how like i went to the northeast eastern side of it and i loved it i loved being there and that is how my love for mountains also came in so were you hooked after that very first trip 
Yes, I was really, I enjoyed, I enjoyed a lot. I got to, I was confused. I, but I also did enjoy the experience of how you can talk to people because uh, being in school, you only talk to friends, you talk to your teachers and you, your neighbors or people around your neighborhood. You don't go and talk to some random person asking for some random help. And that that is what it made me learn throughout my journey that how you can uh, talk to people and over the trip when you are there on the northeastern side of it, you you have to learn the culture. You need to learn how they live, how they do that, do things around that place. And uh, traveling solo also made me learn that you have to talk to people to understand how their culture is. So when I was there, um, I spoke to like the neighbors around, we used to travel places and then they used to tell me stories of how things work there or how things are there on their end. How, so uh, like in the Northern Eastern side of it, it's women who run the family. So in India, it's said that there are male who run the family. So the men goes to work uh, during the medieval times and thing of that age, like, Men used to work and women used to like, uh, uh, women used to run family, but men used to work. The women used to cook and, you know, take care of the house and men would get in the salary. In the northern eastern side of it, it's women who work and men take care of the house. So it's like completely different thing that I got to know in the eighth grade and I used I came home and I'm like, mom, they, 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 I, I really love them. They're, the women there are really cool. I want to be like them. They run the houses, they go to work, they go to farm to fetch, to cut the crops or harvest the crops or do those things. And they really run the houses really well. They take care of kids also. So I was really intrigued by the culture that I first saw because me, since being a kid, I always saw I didn't ask. I mean, this is not a thing to ask, but what we see is what we know. So yeah. I always, yeah, I always saw like dad going to work, mom taking care of us, mom take, mom teaching us, mom making us do our homeworks, and all those things. And I never, never saw a a, a woman who are going to work and men doing all the things. And that is what I saw in the northern, northeastern side of uh, of India, which interested me to know more of the cultures around the world and that is why I travel good there travel uh, travel to different states talk to people how it works there and know the culture of there was that the most shocking difference in culture you've encountered in your travels so far or have you since since then run into something else that was more shocking to you uh, I think that time being a kid it was really shocking because I've never seen that culture anywhere like uh, it's it's said that okay now also in nowadays both the people work men and women work equally um and they share the house equally they do the works like 50 50 they share the responsibility but still if you go there the northeastern side of it still they the women uh, does the work and the, there because it's a very village countryside of it so there's still women work and men run the house Wow. Yeah. That's it. I had no idea that India had a state where that was the case. Yes. Know? Even I didn't have any idea till that age. And I used to, then I went after summer vacation, I went to school and I told all my friends about it and they were shocked too. So did, did they believe you or did they think you were uh, making it up or? 
they didn't believe me at first but i was very adamant no you go and ask your parents they would also know about it it's true i'm telling the truth so yes it it was fun experiencing it and even now if i see it's it's something unique that i don't see anywhere across across the world i could say i, I don't know if there is any state i might be ignorant but i at least how much i know i don't know any state where men prefer taking care of the house and women going to work yeah so um i i keep saying last question but um i keep thinking of more things to ask you that i'm curious about so uh let me see what time it is okay so it's 11:05 i have an appointment at 12 so i'm going to ask one last question and then it has to really be the last um what is your dream uh trip come that you are planning uh one is doing the south america border to border so that is one right that i really want uh to cut it off my bucket list that i want to do is ride from border to border throughout south america experience the culture experience the road i've i've seen online photos and many um many other rider photos of like how the roads are how they cross this thing that thing this mountain that mountain i'm like i want to do that i don't know when i'm get, gonna get the chance like i think once all these things get over probably i'll plan it then um but yes that is one thing i really want to do wow well, I look forward to seeing you document that on your Instagram too. Um, and hopefully someone else maybe interviews you after that so that I can listen and, and hear about your stories because uh, I love hearing about people's travels because I love to travel. And if I can't travel, I want to hear about other people traveling. So <laughs> <laughs> of course. I do that. I do that too. <laughs> um, all right. Well, um, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Don. Thank you for inviting me. Well, thanks again, everyone, for tuning in to this week's episode of the Modern Squid Podcast. I really do appreciate it. If you'd like to follow along with more of Shruti's adventures, you can follow her on Instagram at girl.on.himalayan. And if you don't think you'll remember that, then you can always check on my website, uh, where I will also have a link to her Instagram and Many of the things mentioned in this video, including the commercial um, regarding the Royal Enfield and the elephant. Until next time, have a good one. Uh -huh.